Welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello, friend. I'm Marcy Farrell from Thankful Homemaker, and I'm so glad to be with you today. We are finishing up our Sermon on the Mount series with this episode. So we started in September of 2020, and here we are 30 episodes later, finishing the end of Matthew chapter 7 as Jesus brings this sermon to an end. And the word he uses here for finished is teleos. And Jesus isn't merely ending this sermon, but he's bringing it to its perfection or its destined goal. So if you're joining us for the first time, please still listen into today's episode. We're on episode 152 and it's titled The Authority of Jesus. And we're working through Matthew chapter 7, 28 to 29. And then I hope you'll go back and take in all the other episodes over time. Each one of these really can stand alone. But I I do hope that, um, especially those of you who have been with us for a bit, if you haven't got to listen or catch all the episodes, I do pray that maybe you'll get some time to catch up on the past episodes. So they're, they're also all in one category on the blog, and I put together a Spotify playlist for them too. That's one benefit of Spotify that you can do that I really appreciate for all you Spotify listeners out there. But you can listen in on any podcast catcher app you use. They are all there, and as always, I will put those links in the show notes too. And one more favor, my dear friends, if if you're enjoying the podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you get a moment, just two minutes, to leave a rating or review wherever you listen in. This helps others discover the podcast, and I am incredibly grateful for the time so many of you have taken to do so. So thank you so, so much. And friends, this is something else that I just realized. I have this lovely little app. I feel, I think it's called, I forgot what it's called. I'm not going to say what it's called. Maybe it's called Until. But it's kind of a cool little app because it gives you a countdown. And I realized that Christmas is just around the corner already with this episode coming up. I'm recording this at the end of October, 2023. But as I'm recording this, my little, you know, up, my little app, whatever it's called that I totally blanked on Until, it's said that Christmas is 63 days away. So that's crazy. And even less now that you're listening into this. So I know personally how challenging it can be to find meaningful gifts, especially for the little ones on your list. But I have something truly special to share with you today. I want to tell you all about the High Contrast Hymn Book. This brand new, one-of-a-kind children's book, it's not just any book. It is a fantastic way for Christian parents and grandparents to teach the little ones they love the beautiful hymn, Be Thou My Vision. That's my favorite hymn. So picture this, your child or grandchild spontaneously singing this heartwarming hymn on their own. That's the beauty of the High Contrast Hymn Book. It's designed with high contrast colors and bold shapes, and it's been proven to engage a baby's developing eyes even as young as six weeks. Mary, a pastor's wife, stated about the High Contrast Hymn Book, I love this idea of having a way for parents to teach their children the hymns at home to reinforce what they hear on Sundays in church. My friend Conrad, the creator of the High Contrast Hymn Book, has a special offer from my listeners. I'm going to put all these details in the show notes, but this is an offer you don't want to miss. 
When you purchase the High Contrast 10 book, you'll receive not one, but two free gifts that you can access immediately. They are also offering free shipping automatically applied at checkout to make your purchase hassle-free. And here's the cherry on top. I love this. You get a fantastic 10% off your entire order when you purchase two books or more with the promo code 10 off two. So that's one zero O F F two. And I'll put all that in the show notes too. So don't miss this offer. The high contrast 10 book is going to be in stock late November, just in time for the holiday season. Since this is the book's first official print run, the inventory is very limited. So don't delay order today to guarantee delivery before Christmas. I personally ordered two and I am so looking forward to giving them as gifts this Christmas season to two young families in our church. So just click on the link in the podcast description to purchase a copy for the little ones you love. This could be the perfect gift that brings joy and music and tradition into their lives. And friends, I want to send a big thank you to Conrad at High Contrast Handbook for making this episode possible. Thank you, Conrad. Don't miss this unique opportunity to share the gift of music and faith with the children in your life. Order now and create cherished memories that will last a lifetime. So friend... Today, as I said, this brings us to the 30th episode in the Sermon on the Mount series and the final one in this series. I'm going to begin by reading our text for today, and it's Matthew chapter 7, verses 28 to 29. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So we've worked through this whole sermon through Matthew chapters five through seven. And my hope is that many of you read it multiple times over these past several years, You that you studied parts of it or maybe all of it for yourself. Maybe you picked up some of these extra resources like the Martin Lloyd-Jones studies in the Sermon on the Mount to, to aid you in your study throughout our time together. But in stating how many times we've read it, and personally, I've obviously camped in it for quite a while, right? What stands out initially to me in this these, these verses, but verse 28 particularly, is how the people who were listening to Jesus, how they responded. It tells us in verse 28 that they were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Some versions translate astonished as amazed. And the Greek word, it means to be filled with amazement to the point of overwhelm. It it encompasses the idea of wonder or astonishment or amazement. So these hearers were struck with shock at Jesus's message. It's one thing to be amazed at a sermon you just heard, but it's another thing to be obedient to what you heard. And it doesn't state here that the hearers were obedient to the words of Jesus. Jesus spoke with authority that they never experienced. He didn't quote from a rabbi or another source as the scribes would do, but he spoke from his own knowledge. As the text states, he was teaching them as one who had authority. They were astonished at this. One commentator stated that Jesus spoke with authority while they spoke from the authorities. In this sermon, We can't separate the teacher from what he's teaching, but Martin Lloyd-Jones stated that if we are to give priority to one, it must be the teacher here. Jesus is the preacher of the Sermon on the Mount, and he is the Sermon on the Mount. The hope is not to just be astonished and amazed at his teaching. That's not a bad thing because these unbelievers, they're brought into his presence, but the hope is that they will see Jesus for who he is. 
that he is the narrow gate we are to enter by, that he is the rock upon which we're to build our solid foundation. Ponder here what the crowds were thinking. I mean, we're coming in from the other side of the veil, but they were sitting on this crowded mountainside listening to, as Martin Lloyd-Jones stated, I love how he says this, they were listening to a young man, apparently just a carpenter from a little place called Nazareth in Galilee, an artisan, a common, ordinary person. He had had no training in the schools. He was not a Pharisee or a scribe. He had not been sitting at the feet of Gamaliel, Gamaliel or any of the great authorities or teachers. Apparently, he was just a very ordinary person who had lived a very ordinary life. But suddenly, he burst forth upon the countryside in an extraordinary ministry, and here he sits and begins to teach and to preach and to say the things we have been considering together. It is not surprising that these people were astonished. It was all so unexpected, so unusual in every way, so different from everything they had ever known. Jesus's words have authority, friend, because they have authority because he is God. So whether it was the hearers at the time of the Sermon on the Mount being preached or, or those today like us reading it centuries later in our Bibles, we can't argue or disagree with what is being taught in this sermon because they are the very words of God. Let's take a quick look back at some clear authoritative statements from Jesus. In the Beatitudes, Jesus told his hearers they would be persecuted, not for his teaching, but because of their relationship with him. In Matthew 5.11, he said, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Jesus is the one who makes us the salt of the earth and the light of the world. He repeatedly stated, right? You have heard that it was said, but I say to you. In that statement, he placed himself above the scribes and the rabbis. He was correcting them in their teaching. When he stated in Matthew 5, 17, that he came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it, to do this, he would have to be perfect and sinless. He would have to, to had kept the law to a T, right? Jesus is making it clear in that statement that he is the Messiah. We have so many other areas in the sermon as he walks us through instructions in Matthew 6 on how to pray and to give and to fast and to lay up ourselves for ourselves treasures in heaven and not to be anxious. Then he brings us to chapter 7, to the warnings of anything that would lead us into an area of self-deception. That was a, a whole episode on being self-deceived, thinking that we're good with the Lord, but truly we're not. That's so important to get right. So think, we, we went through, are you following false teachers? Have you entered through the wide gate that leads to destruction? And when he states, Lord, Lord, and tells them, depart from me, I never knew you. He's telling us clearly he will be the judge of all men. And it's not our claiming to know him, but are we known by Jesus? Someone stated it. The one who sat there on the mount to teach is the one who at the end will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations of the world shall appear before him and he will pronounce the judgment upon them. And then he closes that with an authoritative statement by telling us in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 and 26, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Jesus spoke with authority. Jesus spoke with truth and with the power of God's spirit. Susan Heck stated on the scribes, 
The scribes were professionals. They were the taught ones, the ones who had been to school. We might say they knew all the right stuff. They followed the law to its letter, but they had no power because they did not have the Spirit of God. John Stott said about these words of Jesus in regards to other religious teachers, and he's thinking here of the scribes. He says the scribes that they are self-effacing. Jesus, he is self-advancing. They point away from themselves and say, this is the truth. As far as I perceive it, follow that. Jesus says, I am the truth. Follow me, end quote there. So Jesus spoke with authority. He's drawing the attention to himself in this sermon. We are being continuously directed to Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount is packed with doctrine. It's not just a moral or ethical sermon, as so many outside of Christ have called it and referred to it. We talked about that in our introductory episode. It even influenced Gandhi. He defined it as the finest collection of ethical teaching. He may have appreciated the Sermon on the Mount, but he didn't get Jesus right. And if we don't get Jesus right, we get it all wrong. The whole sermon, and as we come to the end here, as we worked through in the last several episodes, we need to bring it back here continually to where Jesus does, to the heart, to what it means to be poor in spirit or spiritually bankrupt before the Lord, to be able to say, nothing in my hands I bring simply to thy cross I cling. This is where it all begins. James Montgomery Boyce reminds us, that being poor in spirit, it's unnatural to man and it's impossible in our own strength to create a true poverty of spirit. Our hearts are corrupt. We're going to always find ourselves comparing ourselves to others. We're going to see a prideful person and though we're proud, we're going to think, well, I'm not that proud. Or we'll see someone with a bad temper and think to ourselves, I have a temper, but it's not that bad. He says, we easily tend to think too highly of ourselves, but we don't need to look to others for self-evaluation. We need to fix our eyes on God and see him reflected in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's where we learn true humility, a true sense of our need. And when we see, when we so clearly see his holiness and our sinfulness, we're going to be like Isaiah in Isaiah 6, 5, where he said, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So Jesus is not just speaking here to those who are believers and those who are unbelievers. Jesus is speaking here to those who think they are believers and they're deceived compared to those who are truly in Christ. So the true believer is the one who builds his house on the rock. And the one who thinks they are a believer is the one who builds his house on the sand. Both may look the same from the exterior. When we talked about this last episode, right? They attend church, they hear the sermon, they go to Sunday school, they know doctrine. But in the end, the true believer is the one who hears these words of Jesus and is obedient. John 14, 15 to 17 tells us, If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So if we're in Christ, if we have repented of our sin and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation, not in our works or in our baptism, or in our Christian upbringing, or our church affiliation that we belong to, but in Jesus Christ alone, we are made new, we are born again, then we will love Jesus, and we're going to desire to honor his name. Being in Christ, 
We have the Holy Spirit at work in us and through us. The world can't receive the Spirit because it lives by sight and not by faith. The world doesn't know Jesus Christ, and there is no knowledge of the Spirit apart from the Son. Martin Lloyd-Jones said it best, and I cannot repeat this one enough. I know I've done it a few times throughout, but hear this. In other words, we're not told in the Sermon on the Mount, live like this and you will become a Christian. Rather, we are told, because you are a Christian, live like this. James Montgomery Boyce ends his book, and in this section on these last verses in Matthew, he states, this is a fairly long quote here, he says, what does all this mean to you personally? The people who heard the Lord Jesus Christ in Galilee on the occasion of his preaching of the Sermon on the Mount were, quote, amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. And yet it's not said that any who heard him that day believed in his doctrine or committed themselves to him. Unfortunately, it is possible to do the same thing in our far more hectic and perhaps more sophisticated century. He continues, what is the most important message of the sermon? Certainly, it is the person of Jesus of Nazareth himself, the Son of God, who spoke as no man has ever spoken before or since, who lived as he preached, who then died and rose again, that he might offer us a full and perfect salvation. Do you believe that? Have you committed your life to his care? If you will make that commitment, he will then do for you all that he has promised. He will make you blessed in the sense given to the word and the beatitudes. He will make you the salt of the earth, a light in this dark world. He will interpret the scriptures to you through the Holy Spirit. He will teach you to pray. He will carry you through all the cares and tumults of this life to an eternity of unbroken fellowship with him. And he continues, do you believe that? Hear this, my friends. He says, today he's speaking to you. He's saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Believe on me. Let your own heart answer. No one ever spoke the way this man does. Yes, Lord, I want you to be my savior. My dear friend, we have seen the... I'm overwhelmed for a moment here. I'm sorry. We have seen the authority of Jesus in our time in this sermon. And the question I leave us all with again is, will we submit to it? And I want to end with that again. Will we submit to it? 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And 2 Timothy 2.19 says, But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. So the hope is at the end of this sermon that we will examine our hearts, that we won't just be amazed at the preaching of Jesus. But as Sinclair Ferguson stated, Jesus preached it to produce obedience. He preached it so that the authority people recognize in his preaching might be real in their lives. You have seen the authority in his sermon. And now I ask us again, will you submit to it? Matthew 7, 21 reminds us, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. My dear friend, Jesus truly is enough always. I'm so grateful for your time today and truly throughout this whole Sermon on the Mount series. Thank you for sticking with me. I pray it was a blessing to you as it was to me and my time studying through it and preparing these episodes. I'm still praying through what is next here on the podcast. I have some thoughts, but I don't want to say anything yet because my thoughts aren't really clear yet. So you can pray for me on that as you're listening to this because I'm still working through that. But the full show notes are at the blog. You can access all the past episodes at the blog. If you'd like a bit more deeper time with one another, 
please consider being a supporter of this ministry and partner with me at Patreon. We have monthly coffee chats via Zoom together. We do a book club. We share monthly, um, I'll come in and I'll share monthly updates on things going on at the podcast and blog and personally with our family. We have a much more intimate interaction with one another. It's a smaller group and I love it. It's really become a sweet community of sisters in the faith. I so enjoy time with. Um, I will link to all the links and resources that I mentioned in the show notes. And I am so grateful for you, my friend. And I do pray you have a very blessed week. Mm -hmm.